Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Fryer of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We've got a good show for everyone today. We've got Shane the Sheriff Knighty joining us to talk a little Golden Knights, a little Winnipeg Jets, how the players and and generally the attitude around the league of Vegas joining the NHL. We've got Dana Lane wrapping up the UNLV season and some Golden Knights talk. Chris, good day to you, sir. Uh, I'm doing well. This morning when I woke up, I heard the bluebirds singing. Uh, I felt the sunshine outside. Uh, I felt a, a, a peace this in in in, uh, in the world today. I felt like you know maybe maybe things are a lot better than we realize, and, and good things are ahead. And I slept last night with a big smile across my face. I can't point, pinpoint why I felt all this way over the last uh, uh, you know. Uh, 12 hours or so, but um, it, was, it was a good Thursday night into Friday. Well, um, if if memory serves, didn't the Islanders play the Rangers uh, last night? Oh, that's right. <laughs> they, yes, they did, and they beat them 4-2. That's right. Oh. That's right. Yes, that was uh, Andres Lee, uh, who is not coming to Vegas, by the way, uh, had another goal, and Andrew Ladd had uh, two goals, including an empty netter. And John Tavares is a man on a mission, is all I have to say. And you pulled within one point of a playoff spot successfully. That's passed. right. That and, is and correct, at, sir. At your lowest point, I think you had six other teams in front of you. So to come through in, I'm going to say, in a 10-game, 11-game span and pass six other teams in the standings, um, Islanders rising, sir. Islanders rising. Um, I, 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 so... Let me let me ask you this. We'll break the ice with this right away. 
What does it say about Capuano that they let him go and they go on? I mean, what are they on now? An eight, eight, one and one, nine, two and one run to in order to I get, think get it's back uh, somewhere. I think underweight, they're nine, three and two, somewhere around there. So, um, so tell Vegas, yeah, fans, I mean, tell Vegas fair, fans why they should be looking forward to Capuano coming as coach if that's the way that, that the Mr. Foley and Mr. McPhee decide to go. Yeah, to be fair, though, I mean, that's, that's everyone's responsibility. I mean, um, you know, I, I will get into this with Dana with uh, uh, Jack Capuano's trip to Vegas recently. But, um, you know, everyone on the team wasn't, almost everyone on the team wasn't playing well from top to bottom, from goal to defense. Uh, forwards, and, um, you know, I guess one of the criticisms of Capuano people were saying, people have said recently is in terms of dealing with young players, uh, real young players, but um, there was enough talent on this team, and it's, it's definitely deep enough that uh, it's not fair to kind of throw all that on him. Not that they weren't playing hard, but they also had a lot of uh, – Third period uh, losses, games that could have went either way, confidence. So it was kind of a perfect storm. I mean, he had he has done some very good things for the Islanders. He was here seven years, and he did uh, get a rebuilding group. So uh, you know, when you look at his resume, this season obviously wouldn't be uh, one of the pluses, if you will. But he, he has done a lot of good things uh, in, in his career. Okay. Um, one thing that, that came up, and I know we'll talk with Dana about this more in just a little bit, but the uh, the first choice for Mr. Lane, Claude Julian, jumps right across the border and, and goes Boston-Montreal. Um, that's a pretty, pretty I'll, I'll say, hardcore move, if you will, for Mr. Julian. He didn't waste any time, did he? Yeah, I was a little surprised by that, simply because he'd been in Boston for so long, um, obviously, he's been rumored to be let go going back to a uh, point that last year to throughout this season. You know, I, I think if you would take a page out of Gerard Gallant, uh, I'm not saying he did anything, you know, wrong, but uh, you take a page out of Gerard Gallant, kind of, you know, do a, a refresh in his mind, for a few, walk away from the game for a few months, uh, the rest of the season. And obviously, there were going to be plenty of suitors and there's plenty of teams, you know, looking for a head coach that we know of besides Las Vegas. And he was going to be very high on almost everyone's uh, uh, short list of candidates. Uh, so I was a little taken aback that he uh, he jumped right back into the frying pan, if you will. And, you know, obviously going to Montreal, not an easy job, tough market. They're struggling a bit. I mean, I think he's a terrific coach. He's been the coach there before. So he had all that up. I was a little surprised by, uh, by all those factors. But it was, you know... Uh, a good pickup for for Montreal, and we'll have to see how uh, if they go on a bit of a spurt because all of a sudden Ottawa's, uh, I believe, only four points behind them. Yeah, I remember we did our, our Winnipeg Jets show with Philip Iver a while back, and and it was at the Carey Price injury, and at the time they were eight points back, and I thought that would be a time for. Uh... Oh, I just had a, had a uh, had a blank Ottawa. Ottawa to make a run towards the top of that division and they've been holding steady um, with that lead but down down to three points that I guess they felt they had to make that change yeah I guess they did I, like I said I was just surprised that Claude Julian and uh, 
And also the Boston granted permission was interesting. You know, so, I mean, obviously they're heated rivals and stuff. So, well, this, this will be an interesting uh, uh, thing to watch the rest of the season, to say the least. All right. So uh, what else What else do we got on the ice uh, this week? Well, I thought maybe we each uh, could give, you know, we had our big uh, NHL preview trade deadline preview show last week. If anyone missed it, please check it out. Uh, it's up on SoundCloud. You can go to the HockeyWriters.com podcast page. You can find it on BlogTalkRadio.com. Uh, you know, now that we 90-minute show, great job done by Zach Devine of the Hockey Writers, Hockey Profits, uh, uh, Gobble Prospects, and Matt Pryor of the Hockey Writers. Um, Matt writes about the Stars and the Panthers. Zach writes about the Sharks and every, every prospect and draft pick in between. Uh, you know, starting with you in terms of one thought that uh, from the talk that we all had, uh, what jumped out at you from uh, what to watch for for the trade deadline? I think that um, I think Zach made up a good point uh, when he said that there's a lot of focus on this trade deadline and how the expansion draft looming will affect uh, how the trade deadline goes. And his take on it was really unique, and, and I, I hadn't heard it, so that's what struck stood out to me, uh, was that he, he, he kind of thinks that teams are just going to play it, you know, most teams, you know, if you're out of it and, and you do have a piece that, that you think you might lose and you want to get an asset for it, you might make a, a move along those lines, but you're going to be looking at that fifth defenseman or or seventh eighth forward that that you you know bottom six second third pair guy that they might move for a pick but teams that are in it or teams that are close to in it are going to play it pretty straight and that you you will probably have to wait and see for a lot of decisions to be made considering how close the eastern conference is to the end of the season after the Stanley Cup in the window before the teams have to submit the their protected list to the league, the, and I hadn't thought about that before. And you know, since we since we talked with Zach and Matt, I've thought more and more, and I've looked at more and more rosters and gone through a couple more of my own mock drafts on PlanMyTeam.com. And you know, when you look at the teams and where they are in the East and and the West and who might be doing what, it might be a quieter deadline than a lot of people think. Um, I'll ask. I'll throw it right back to you. What what stood out to you? Yeah, and and and, and our other guest, Matt, a good friend of the show, Matt Pryor, and talking about the stars and and just talking overall uh, and kind of piggybacking what you just said, you know, and looking at the league. Um, you know, I don't know. There's not as of now. There's not a lot of definite sellers, you know, and even then, you know, they're going to have limited parts to sell. In terms of Detroit with Vanek, maybe a Brendan Smith, uh, Arizona with Shane Doan and Martin Hansel. And we talked about Colorado, Jerome McGinn was a UFA, a pending UFA, but they don't have to move Landis Cog into Shane, and obviously that's a complicated trade. So it kind of goes back to our conversation with Matt of, you know, if you're a team looking to buy, you know, the team, and especially since the show, the Stars have lost a couple more games before we need to further out. Um, that the stars of the you know, your should be your number one call. I mean, with Patrick Eves, Patrick Sharp, and Johnny Oduya, all three pending UFAs. Uh, I think uh, Jim Nill and, and, and the stars, uh, as Matt Pryor said, uh, are going to be 
selling those pieces for the best deals that they can get. So, uh, and that's going to focus on uh, draft picks and high draft picks and prospects knocking on the NHL door. So, uh, I, I think that the Stars will be the big seller, even though we're, we think of the other teams lower in the standings. Interesting, interesting. Well, we're getting closer and closer. I know uh, our old friend Buffalo Tom uh, sent me a text last night at the Sabres Av game. It's 28 general managers and or scouts were, were at that game. So a um, lot of attention on Sabres Avalanche towards this uh, towards this upcoming trade deadline, sir. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see how all that plays out. So let's, uh, let's end the Breaking the Ice segment and welcome in our first guest of the show. We're joined today by a very special guest, longtime NHLD man and current, current radio voice and television voice on TSN in Canada for the Winnipeg Jets, Shane Knighty. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. When we met on Twitter earlier, well, let me give a little background. There are a lot of new, a new, uh, new hockey fans in Las Vegas. So Shane, Shane played uh, 10, 11 years in the NHL. Notably with with Ottawa, good stint in Ottawa with the Senators, uh, Atlanta Thrashers, which oddly enough now with the Winnipeg Jets, you got to rejoin that franchise in in your broadcasting capacity, and then uh, played with the Bruins at the end of your career and was on the Cup team in 2010, and uh, if 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 what I read is correct, you did get a ring out of the deal, right? I did. That's correct. That was the, the 2011 Cup, and uh, you know it's a good way to end the career to to go through something like that. So, yeah, it, uh, the years go by quick though as I, I stepped out of playing and uh, got into doing TV, radio, mainly TV now, and uh, it's it's been a good uh, transition because you always want to stay in the game. It's something you've done your whole life, and uh, I feel very lucky. And uh, as you mentioned, very excited about uh, the new team coming in next year. I think uh, I think everybody is. I get a chance to see players, uh, you know, they're running out of guys I played with, but still there's some around the league, and right. I get a chance to talk to every team. Interesting interest they have about uh, Vegas coming. Well, that's uh, it, it's kind of what, I, what we wanted to talk to you about today. When we when we did meet on Twitter earlier in the week, you're, you're enthusiastically positive, which I guess I hear the other side of the coin being the, the, the Yankee, right? I hear the, uh, why don't they just name the team the Quebec Nordiques because in five years they'll be playing there anyway, right? So so I hear the other side of the coin, and, w- and when I hear a good Canadian son like yourself uh, excited about the Vegas franchise, I always want to talk to him and, and get get that kind of uh get that kind of a vibe going so when you when you first heard that vegas might be in the running for 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 the 31st nhl franchise in the league what what was your initial reaction you know what just because it's an entertainment city and yes i know there, there's other areas that are great i, I know people that, you know i have friends that had a place there and uh it, it's a fantastic place to live and and you know for me i obviously as, as most people have been there many times but not outside really far off the strip but uh, just knowing that you bring that entertainment value and to that sitting to be the first pro sports team to, to go to vegas i think is a big thing for hockey and you know obviously that's been my life and and the nhl to me uh it's a fit and when you got a passionate owner like you do and, and foley that can come in and uh, i think this can work yeah there's there's going to be some hurdles um It'll be interesting when it gets open, but the inter- and the interest is it's everywhere. Everywhere I go, people, and it's, it's funny because you see on the road, uh, you know, I cover the Winnipeg Jets, but we get Jets fans everywhere. 
and, and they'll travel. And I think that's going to be the case with Vegas. What better place for people to travel to than Las Vegas to go watch hockey? So you're going to build your own base, but you're also going to have that of the other teams that come in. Um, and there's a lot of interest to, to see how this is going to work and and play out. But I think they got the right people in charge. And uh, you know, George McPhee's you know been a general manager. I, I, I got, I'm a Manitoba kid. I know you got Kelly McCrimmon as the assistant GM right. there, and uh, I know him very well. I, I actually played his uh, his late brother who passed sadly in that tragic accident over in the KHL. The plane crash with oh, my right. uh, coach in Atlanta. So. Uh, connections there, but you've got really good people going in charge. And, and not only that, there's an, we're, we're all talking about the expansion draft, but let's not forget free agency. And there is a draw there for players. Uh, it's very interesting because I talked to a lot of guys and, and it's, it's funny when you're on the Winnipeg side of things, you always think it's hard to draw people to Winnipeg weather and, and whatever. I think, and, and it plays a factor in decisions that hockey players have where they're going to live, what's going to be like. Obviously, you want to play for a winner, so you want to develop that. But also is what's what's the living situation. And, uh, you know, and it's not just the bright lights and gambling there. there. There's areas around there that, you know, it's much like Scottsdale. and or, So I think there's going to be a draw there and an attraction to a lot of guys in free agency as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this works going forward. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you use Scottsdale as an as a example because I, I've used that in the past before where um, if you do get away from the Strip, we're looking at, at the Valley with 2.2 million people here, um, 30th largest media market that, you know, in the, in the North America, the largest media market that does not have a franchise of any major sport. So when, when you say it's uh, – good for the NHL, the excitement and, and you know, the, the bona fides that, that the city itself is finally getting recognized as some place that isn't a five mile long piece of street, but there's actually, you know, families uh, that live and work here that don't do anything with the casino sort of thing. Um, yeah. We got some of the best golf courses in the world. So obviously the, the weather, except, you know, right now it's raining outside and it's about 50 degrees, but, uh, you know the wet the weather in I, i'm in montreal oh okay I don't so, complain. not not at all not at all um <laughs> good, good good luck in montreal by the way that that should be a good tilt yeah. but uh um so yeah i think i think there is that attraction and um i think you know for the, when we first started the show back in in march 2015 with when with, they just announced the the ticket drive um, you know, I got a lot of comparisons to, yeah, you guys sold 5,000 tickets in, uh, you know, the first two days, but then it took you another month to get 3,000 more and then a couple more months to get to 10,000 and Winnipeg sold out all their seats in 13 seconds or, you know, however fast, yeah. however fast the, and, and kudos to Winnipeg fans for stepping up like that. I know they're, they're passionate hockey fans there, but the one difference I'll say in that is that they knew the, that the, they were going to get their Jets 2.0 in Winnipeg. And we were, I always use the analogy that if you were going to sell tickets to a, a winter concert series and you were going to have 41 home dates a year but, and you had to pay the money up front for your tickets, but we couldn't tell you what bands were playing and we really couldn't even tell you if we were going to put on a show. Uh, how many tickets would, do you think would get sold for that? So I think, exactly. you know, I think Mr. Foley proved his point by, by before 
the corporate sales got involved in it, he had to get to 11,000 seats. And he did get to 11,000. And then once the corporate blocks were taken away, um, we, he got up to 14,500 seats. So there is, and we do have a history of hockey here um, with the Las Vegas Thunder. A uh, lot of. I played. Did, you played for the Thunder? No, I played for the Grand Rapids Griffins oh, okay. back in, okay. in 97, so I played in Vegas. Well, I probably saw you You saw you saw play. You were firing pucks at either Pokey Reddick or Clint Malarchuk, um during that time frame. Yeah, it was it was years ago, but yeah, I remember, I remember that was my very first time to Vegas. I think it was twenty one, twenty two when I played in Grand Rapids, and uh, uh, yeah, I remember uh, we we actually stayed on the strip, which was interesting. My first time time there, it was a lot to take in, but we weren't there very long. So we were there, and then played the game, and and on our way out. But uh, yeah, I remember the, I remember the Thunder, and I played with uh, probably one of the, another one of the most popular ones. Well, he wasn't there long, but uh, Radek Bonk in, sure. in Ottawa for years. Yep, absolutely. He was the 16-year-old wonder kid when the Thunder signed him. He was the youngest player to sign a North American pro hockey contract. Um, so, what was, um, if, if you can, I mean, I know you've been in a lot of rinks and, and a lot of uh, towns across both North America, you know, U.S. and Canada. Do you remember any of the atmosphere around that? Because it was really an exciting rink to go watch a game in. You know what? I don't. And, and you're right. I have been. I've played in, you know, I played the American Hockey League. I played the East Coast Hockey League, the IHL. The East Coast Hockey League, I, there, there's, you want to, I know it's not, you can't compare, but Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I played for wow. the inaugural team they had there in the ECHL, and Pierre Maguire was the coach. And that's where I went right out of playing junior in Canada, was down there. I was only there a couple months, and then I joined Calgary's farm team, but. Uh, it was interesting. Their love for the game down there initially didn't last because, and and that's where it gets interesting in Vegas. And you guys did have the Thunder. For me, I think hockey really has to grow. That's going to be part of the development there with the youth and around is to educate people and to and to get them into the game. I think that's a big part to to have this. You know, the NHL last is to to get those communities around and to to, to try and grow hockey around there, which is, isn't a bad thing. you got three California teams now that seem to be a month top in the Pacific every year, and you, you go back to before when Gretzky went down there, and, and that's what it's about. It's about getting into that market and, and building the game, and, and that's why I think it makes it exciting for me. Is, you know, it's obviously my favorite sport, and the more we can grow it, the better. Tim Ford, well, let me let me bring in Chris, my co-host. He, uh, he writes for Ion Isles. He's an Islanders guy out on Long Island. I know he's got a couple questions for you, Shane. <laughs> Chris, Chris, hop in the box, sir. Hey, Shane. Great to speak with you. i got two questions for you on the Jets and one on the Avs team in the division. That Absolutely. A lot. Um, uh, in terms of the Jets, you know, to me, this is a team that's got a lot of young talent, both on the main roster and in the prospect pipeline. What do you think they have to do to, to, to take that next step and you know, become uh, maybe not a force yet in the West, but uh, a team to reckon with from where they are now. I think they're very close, and I know you're going to go through an expansion. They they didn't get an expansion team, but they got an Atlanta franchise that was fractured. So they got a lot of players, and basically if they drafted, they developed, uh, you suffer some pain when you go through it, but you start to see, you know, their draft picks, Mark Shifley, Jacob Chuba, Josh Morris, the Adam Lowry, and then you got Nick Lailers, and of course, Patrick Lyon, you get a superstar. 
or a, a budding superstar, that's how you grow a team. And it's not easy and it's not quick. So patience is the biggest thing. But uh, I don't think they're far away. I really don't. You've got some real good veterans around them and Brian Littles and Bufflin and Wheelers. Uh, the goaltending this year, they decided to go young there. Connor Hellebuck's playing that for them. So whether they decide to bring in a veteran presence next year to help out with that. Um, but I, I, my expectations is to have them right about, you know, maybe fighting a little closer for playoffs, but they're not far off. Next year is when I really put it on this team because uh, they made playoffs two years ago. They lost four straight to Anaheim, and they played hard. So they need to bring that effort they had then. Now they've added skill because that's what they couldn't match with Anaheim was the overall skill. Well, they've been able to add that through draft. Now it's a matter of, you know, putting that all together, and it takes time. You've got, you know, an 18- and 20-year-old in Ehlers and Line A and a 23-year-old in Scheifele that could be your number one line. That They need time. you you got to grow. you got to go through experience. And uh, I, I think next year is going to be a big year for them, and uh, that's when, uh, and I know we got a lot of passionate fans in Winnipeg. They, you know, if you're not winning, they're not happy, and, and that's Canadian markets, so. Um, they've got to turn next year, I think, is the year that they, they start to make those big strides forward. You mentioned Jacob Trouba, and obviously, you know, the off season and, and not getting a contract side going into the season and, you know, finally signing that two-year deal. Uh, people I've talked to out in Winnipeg seem, they seem to use the word they'd be shocked if he's moved at the deadline, uh, which I would be as well. Um, i get your take on that. But more importantly, do you see Truba? I mean, to me, he's the kind of, uh, what he brings to the rink, it's not like they have a huge demand. I would think at that 22-year-old kid, defenseman, as you know, took a little bit more time. I mean, uh, and I don't think Shovel Dayoff was in a rush, is in a rush to trade him. He would be part of their long-term plans. How do you feel about that, given the contract and all the off-ice? Do you think that can still work? Well, I do. They got the two years, and then they still have RFA rights on them for another two. So I think it's years you kind of still control rights. Um, and, and there was a lot of questions him coming in, but the strides he made since he has come in this year, he has gone from, as you mentioned, defenseman. I played the position takes a little longer to develop, but he's become a man. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's becoming a dominant defenseman, and uh, he's a guy you don't let go. So they've got to figure something out. He's not going anywhere. Uh, I would not let him go anywhere. Uh, he he really has taken his game to another level, and, and you have to wonder now what the thing was before. I don't know if we really did know where it was going to go to, but now the way we see him, he, he's taking off just the way he can skate, he can stride, uh, all the other things, the elements of his game, and now he's adding offense. So uh, him and, and Josh Morrissey, who's 21, really becoming you know the pair. They signed Bufflin to that big deal last year as the number one guy, but I think Jacob Truba is emerging into that position, and it'll be interesting what Shevel Dayoff's able to get done with him. Yeah, my last question for you before I give you back to Mark here is dealing with the Avalanche, and obviously they're uh, you know they have by far the worst lowest amount of points in the league. This is not a team de- you know devoid of uh, devoid of talent here. Uh, I just saw them this past week uh, when they played the Islanders. And they competed for a while, and then, you know, the horse kind of got out of the barn. Uh, and that, you know, more so on this trip, uh, that has come into question, I think, a little bit as well. Do you see this team a bit being that the Jets are in the same division with them? What's your take on them? And, and you know, I'm not saying they need a full-blown retool, 
but they seem to need a reboot. How do you feel about uh, if, if they can get the right packages, if you will, in rebooting, uh, trading either or and both Deshane and Landis Cog? I know there's been a lot of Deshane rumors up here uh, with the Islanders. Yeah, uh, for, for, another, for another for another uh, for another Winnipeg boy, for Winnipeg boy Travis Hamonic being involved in that deal. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. But yeah, you're talking about the Avalanche. Uh, yeah, they've got some serious issues, and you know, I, I think I saw a clip from their game the other night, just trying to break it out. But confidence is a major factor in any team, and that's 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 a huge factor in any individual player in any pro sport. Uh, you take a confident individual, builds a confident team, which builds, you know, success. So they, they've lost all that, and they, it's just become a disaster there. And you can go right back to, you know, Patrick Law's departure, and then from there. And now you've got, you've got, but you look at the team up front. You got Duchene, you got McKinnon, you got Landis Cod. Uh, you got some veterans defensively. They need to turn around. And I go back to the year they had success. Varlamov, their goalie, was absolutely phenomenal he was the reason and, and they played the same way but they were able to get away with it more i i think there's there is a real to retool there when when you have as, as down a season as they have you have to assess absolutely the majority of players i think that miko rantanen uh finnish young kid he's going to be good for them i think him and mckinnon might be their only two untouchables here going forward um but they need to find some defense uh, and then if they make trades, and I hear that the asking price for Matt Duchesne is astronomical, which, you know, I guess you can because he's a good player, a very good player. Any team would be, you know, happy to have him. But there's a chemistry. There, there's a lot of things that creep in when they're losing like that. So it's tough to keep the room together, to keep, uh, you know, everything in the upswing. And, that, and that's when, you, I guess, you find out character some players. And, you know, that's, that's one way for Joe Sackick and his staff to go forward and, decide how they're going to do this but uh, obviously they're going to get a high draft pick uh they're going to start to have to build it, it's going to be tough times in that building a building i remember playing in with the forsbergs and the sackets and yeah it was full now it's uh, there's no buzz at all in colorado about the avalanche let's hope they uh, follow up uh, go ahead chris uh, let me just do a quick follow-up mark uh, yep. uh based on what you just said shane uh, I, I would think uh, a travis hamannick would, would go a long way uh, based on, I mean, yep. he's not a sexy player per se in terms of putting up points like uh, Eric Carlson, but he's such, such a solid young leader who plays both ends of the rink and plays the game the right way, and he's, he does he does everything very well. I'm a big Travis Hammonick fan, just well, not only because he's another Manitoba kid, but that, that gives him a few points with right. me. Uh, I like the way he plays the game. I think he he's responsibly smart. You know, there was a lot of talk when he, you know, first thought that trade would happen. Of course, everybody in Winnipeg, you know, wanted him to come there. Talk of him going to Edmonton, and that was before they got Adam Larson. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to have interest in Hamnick. Uh, to me, it's the Islanders don't want to let him go. He's got a very good contract for the minutes he plays. Yep. Uh, he's locked in there. He would not be a guy uh, I would want to get rid of unless the return was right because, uh, you know, you. Yeah, especially in the cap market, you got to manage that. Those good contracts, and that's uh, you know a guy like him here here in Winnipeg. I know he's been hurt all year, and a big miss is Tyler Myers, six seven defenseman. But you know he's got a big back diving contract, which works in their favor. When you can get a top four guy that you know you can keep under that four million dollar, five million dollar mark, that's that goes a long way for your team. 
So we're talking with Shay Knighty on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and I know you're short on time there. So I, I just one one quick question. Um, so you, you get to see Patrick Liney play, uh, you know, night in, night out. Um, you guys are right there at, at the playoff bubble. Um, I guess part A, are, are, is Winnipeg going to be looking to add a piece or two that might put them, uh, put them over the hump? And do you think we're going to see the white out and white back, uh, back in the playoffs this year? <laughs> No, I don't think they're gonna. They're they're not gonna add. If if anything, you know, they they might subtract. This is a year of building and growth. If they make the playoffs, great. But I don't think this is a year you you get rid of any assets that you have. And uh, if anybody, it might be you know a veteran player with an expiring contract that, that the Jets have that moves on, or or they just stand pat. They've been a very patient team, and it's not easy. Zero uh, six in Winnipeg, but but you have to have patience to have growth and. Uh, it'll be interesting. They're, they've got a tough fight here to get into the playoff picture, and if they can, I don't see them making any moves. Uh, I mentioned Tyler Myers, getting him back healthy. He's only played 11 games this year. He had surgery, and uh, if they could get him back, that would be good. Toby Enstrom, another big part of their lineup, has been out. Uh, he just had surgery. He's out for three weeks, so just getting back some of those pieces would be great additions for the Jets, and uh, this will be a year of them just kind of waiting it out and, and continuing to grow, getting ready for next year. You know, that's a pretty good theme to uh, leave that on as Vegas is getting ready to step into the NHL. Patience, growth, and success in that order. So, uh, Shane, thank you so much for coming on today and talking a little bit of puck with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, coming up next season, when you guys come into town, we're going to have to have you back on the show to do some uh, do some Jets Nights talk, sir. We really appreciate it. That would be fantastic, guys. Not a problem. Enjoyed it, and uh, anytime. All right. Have a have a great Thanks, afternoon. Shane. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. All right. That was that was Shane Knighty on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Chris, first first uh, first blush on on what we heard from Shane about the Vegas market and and how the how the Canadians are starting to warm up, if you will, from uh, what we may have heard early in the process. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good in the fact that he's had, you know, he's had some experience there. Also, I think he's a, he's a great person being a Canadian um, kid playing for Canadian teams with the same token. He's played in some some cities, uh, as he mentioned, playing in Baton Rouge. I saw that on his resume and then going to places like Vegas and other places and seeing how hockey has grown. So uh, I think more and more that's uh, come up. So that was great to hear. And obviously uh, he had a terrific take. Uh, on the Jets as well, as well as the Avalanche, uh, which he gets to see a lot. So I'm glad we were able to get that uh, input for him as well. And I think they're kind of Winnipeg's the sleeping giant. I really do. I think two years from now, they're going to be, when you talk about uh, the, 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 the contenders in the West, I think Winnipeg's going to be, be one of them. I think... What we're seeing this year in the Pacific Division about how the top teams maybe are, are a little bit past their their best years and the younger teams are, are trying to, to step up. Arizona obviously taking a, a, a step back this year, but um, I think that might be pretty close to where the Central is, is going to be headed in the next few years where the Winnipeg and, and – I'm re- I want to put Nashville in that category too. Minnesota's obviously taking a big step forward this year, but there's some age on that team too up in Minnesota. Um, 
So I, I think I think you're, I was really I you know I enjoyed watching Winnipeg make the playoffs again. I, I I'm a fan of of that you know the white out and white I've probably said it ten times already, but it bears mentioning that that's one of the best playoff atmospheres there is in the sport. Um, oh yeah, and I and uh, so that was great. And if and if and if they don't make it this year, and maybe if they do free up a piece at the deadline. Um, you know, create some cap space, get a little, get a little, you know, stable, and and go forward with with the youth movement there. Um, Shane's going to be watching a lot of exciting hockey. So if you guys want to follow Shane, he does he does mostly television now on TSN Television for the Winnipeg Jacks. You can follow him at Shane Knighty. That's S H A N E H N I D Y. Um, some some of you guys might remember him back in the day, nicknamed Shane the Sheriff. Uh, patrolling the blue line around Ottawa, Atlanta, Boston, so on and so forth. Um, and I'd like to talk to him for for a little bit longer and talk about some of the some of the Grand Rapids days and and the, the Louisiana days. That was a pretty good conversation. But we're gonna we're gonna take a real quick break. We'll we'll come back with Data Lane and and the Vegas Lane in just a short minute. So we'll be right back. So if you're in Las Vegas and you're looking for a martial arts studio for you, yourself, your family, your kids, you can't do any better than Victory Martial Arts at the Tanea campus. Uh, Mr. Hopkins is a three-time instructor of the year with the ATA. His school last year won uh, Victory Martial Arts School of the Year nationally. The director over at Summerlin is a four-time world champ, sparring champion now. They have Krav Maga, Taekwondo, Showtime Pettis' MMA program for kids and adults, so where they mix jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, striking, the full complement of an MMA training program. And if you tell them you heard this here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, they will give you your first lesson free. So give them a call, 702-803-3771. Tell Mr. Hopkins Mark sent you, and he'll take good care of you. And we're back from that little short break for Victory Martial Arts. We're going to bring in our next guest, weekly contributor to the show, Dana Lane. Uh, you guys can follow Dana on Twitter at Dana Lane NHL, or for his sports gaming expertise, you can. Did I say expertise? I meant expertise. That's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's uh, Dana Lane Sports on Twitter, and if I say this right, I get a bonus. SBR. SBR Sports? Yeah, SBR uh, Picks, which stands for Sportsbook Review. You can go on SBR.com, and we have a write-up every single day about uh, you know the games that we like, and we're doing extremely well, so check that out. Yes, sir, you, are, you guys are doing really well over there. So let, let, me, uh, let me just get you to, to wrap up the, obviously, the most successful season in UNLV hockey history, regular season-wise. Um, put a bow tie on that and prep us up for the playoffs, sir. Yeah, uh, basically what's going to happen is, um, unfortunately, UNLV did not get the automatic berth to the uh, national championships in, in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but it could be a blessing in disguise because we've seen what this team does after they've had a little bit of a break. They're better when they when they play consistently. So. Uh, next week, they will go up to Greeley, Colorado. Uh, they are the highest seed in that tournament, so that it tells you how close they were to getting the automatic berth. Uh, 
Uh, and they will, uh, their first round opponent, uh, will be the winner, uh, will most likely be Northridge, which they just got through beating 13 to nothing and two games combined. And then if the seeds hold up, they will play Denver University, which is a, uh, which is a higher seed, but, uh, did defeat UNLV earlier, earlier in the year. Uh, granted, it was a three game and three day situation. So, right. you know, you know, yeah, you don't know how much you could take from that, but, they will be off next weekend to play in, in that, and uh, there will be two teams from each region to go to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and so all they have to do is uh, win two games, uh, and they're in Columbus. And I think that that's easy. Uh, I, I I don't want to say it's easy to do, but certainly when you're looking at the teams that potentially would have to play, uh, certainly the first round looks like it, it should be uh, a reflection of what they've already done, and the second round... You know, when you throw a little revenge in there, uh, I think that's going to motivate UNLV to uh, to get to Columbus. Now, I, I don't know if the NCAA has anything to do with this, but we all know how no. how the NCAA feels about about the Rebels. Okay, this is not breaking news here. Did anybody from the NCAA call the t- tournament seedings there and whisper in their ear about not giving us the bye? Because all year long, they're the first or second best team in all of club hockey. Um, do we got a little? Do we got a little anti-Tark sentiment filtering down through the range here? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, the NCAA has nothing to do with us. It's uh, all the ACHA, and, and look, um, you know. You, you try to be optimistic, but here's the thing. They were number two. They've been number two all year. Um, they went and played Northern Arizona, who was number three just about all season. They lost two games to Northern Arizona, and that's that's basically what it is. Yep. Um, it, it, but the fact of the matter is, the bigger picture of this is, you know, the number one team, which is Williston College, which is a college in South Dakota, uh, or in North Dakota, rather, got put in this in this region after the season had already started to create some competitive balance. And it's like they never should be in this region. UNLV and Northern Arizona should be the one and two seed and already on their way to Columbus. I, it's just next year when they go Division One club, they, they don't have to worry about this Mickey Mouse stuff. So right, right. Uh, that's the way it is. And, and it's fine anyway because they're going to win and – uh, as long as you win, it doesn't really matter, you know, how you have to get there. 10-4. Well, we're looking forward to that. Um, let me bring in Chris to, to kick off the Golden Knights talk. Um, this is a busy week, really, for the Golden Knights. Um, I've been able to catch you and Brian's show a couple times driving home this week, and there's a, there's a lot going on. So let, let me let Chris jump in and kick off a little bit of Golden Knights talk. Yeah, hey, Dana. Great to talk to you again. Um Jack Capuano, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jack Capuano was uh, uh, was reported out here in New York News Day. Recently, had a trip to Las Vegas. Uh, obviously, George McPhee knows him well with his two years with the Islanders before becoming Vegas GM. Um, what can you tell us about the trip in terms of? I don't know if you knew how long it was. I would imagine he not only with McPhee, but he spent some time with other people in the staff. I don't know if if he got to meet Mister Foley at all. You have any of those kind of? Uh, yeah, I mean, not a lot of detail have come out about that. Um, and one thing I do know about this organization, uh, they're they're pretty tight-lipped about things. In fact, 
uh, when Bill Foley was on our, our show last week, you know, it, it isn't the first time that he mentioned Robert Kraft as somebody that he looked up to in the Patriots organization. So we know exactly how they run things, that they, you know, run things by not telling anything to anyone. Um, so not the, it, not the White House then? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So, but I will say this, Chris. When, when asked about specific coaches, the only one that fully elaborated on, meaning he's a good guy, he's a family guy, we want somebody here that's a long, long term, the only coach he elaborated on was Capuano. In fact, he elaborated on Capuano and then basically said, and we feel that way about Gerard a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, we can't, obviously we can't ask him directly about, you know, specific coaches, I, I guess, and it's, you know, for some reason it's kind of taboo, I guess, but um, we, we all wanted to ask him about Julian, and of course he wasn't going to comment about that, but he did say, you know, we're not in the market to pay four, four and a half million for a coach. So, again, that goes back to Capuano, and really, guys, Here's the honest answer. Uh, McPhee is waiting to see what exactly is going to be on the table. And really, I think it comes down to Capuano and Lindy Ruff if you are talking about coaches that have the uh, the credentials that he said that he's looking for. And, and you're saying, well, Lindy Ruff, he still has a job. Well, that's true. Okay. But this is Lindy does not have a contract next year. He's a friend of Las Vegas. He's a friend of uh, the pro our program. Um, I, I can see a guy like Lindy Ruff just saying, "You know what? I think Las Vegas would be a great opportunity," and I cannot see him staying in Dallas. So, um, if it comes down to Lindy Ruff and Capuano, I think it's Ruff, and I don't think if Ruff was involved, I think probably Capuano would probably very be very close to signing now. I, I, I have a question for both you guys, too, because I've been following when the analysts like Capuano go, and I thought to myself, this will be interesting. I'll really get a true test of how much McPhee is interested. Because obviously with McPhee, you know, who was very involved with the Islanders uh, he, in this two years' time, um, he he had a good rapport with Gart Snow. Uh, everyone in the organization knows the organization really well. So I said to myself, well, if, if he brings them out, that's going to speak volumes. Because obviously, he has seen Jack Capuano at work behind the scenes, the games themselves, so on and so forth. And he knows him frontwards, backwards, and sideways for the last two years. And I was reading that he felt that he was telling people he has a lot of respect for Capuano as a coach uh, in terms of how he handles players and his dedication and how hardworking he is. And, you know, given the givens of what I just said and him going out there kind of reaffirmed all that, I- I'm with you. I think he's very high on that on that, sh- on that short list. Uh, I think he's got at least a 50% chance, uh, uh, I'll throw it out there, of uh, being the, the first Vegas Golden Knights coach. Well, and, and the other thing to that point, I mean, we have seen where um, McPhee is very comfortable bringing in people that, you know, have been an extension of, of his past. And so, of course, we know that, that Capuano is an extension of his past. And, uh, you know, to me, it, it makes sense. It goes along with what he has kind of created here. He has a, a slimmed-down organization, but one that he trusts. 
And, uh, you know, to me, if I had to, if I had to make a choice right now, uh, Capuano to me would be the, the leader. But again, you know, when Julian became in, in, uh, available, you, you really not look at a guy like this. I mean, if Montreal, if, if Terrian doesn't get fired and Julian is still out there, I mean, do you really not make a push to get Julian? I mean, there is a level of coaching um, that I think when you talk about Julian and, and probably to a lesser extent Lindy Ruff, I think that is a different level than when we talk about a Capilano or a Gallant. Chris, any follow-up there? You yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I was, I was just going to look for your opinion, Mark. You know, I agree with everything Dana just said. You got to you got to kick the tires and it's uh, going to come to a point of diminishing returns, I think, that the long the longer you wait to see what's out there, the less that's going to be out there. You know, you could pretty much read the tea leaves and see what's going to be present at the end of the year and I I agree 100%. We talked a little bit about Dallas earlier in the show and if they if they come into the trade deadline and they're sellers, then it's not going to be a coincidence that Lindy Ruff goes into the end of the season and that's the end of his tenure there. Um, and I think that if... Yeah, they, I don't think they're waiting around for Paul Maurice. <laughs> no, ex- exactly. So I, I think I think Dana's got it got it right on the on the head head there, which that would be the... Actually, a uh, question just... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, a question just popped up for both of you dealing with Lindy Ruff. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's... I mean, I know I remember him from his playing days, but I'm not exactly sure how old he is. I'm not saying he's an old coach or anything like that, but given his pedigree and given the amount of jobs that it seems like they're going to be open next year, do, do you think that he would want, even though he's a fan of uh, Vegas, uh, a friend of Vegas, do you think he would want to go to an expansion franchise versus, you know, going to, you know, more uh, of an established team if he has that option? I do. Well, I, I guess he has got to weigh his options at this point now, too. I mean, right now, it, we're, we're, I mean, it, look, it doesn't, I, I don't know. If I'm the Panthers and I get into the playoffs, I mean, is Tom Rowe not going to stay? <laughs> is Doug Wade well, not going to No, they stay? said, Tom Rowe did say that uh, he's going to go back to being the GM next year that they're going to get. At least I, that's what he said initially. I understand, but I mean, if you if this guy gets this team into the playoffs and they have a deep run, I mean, I don't know. You know, anything right. can happen. Even if it's available, say it's available. Do you not choose Vegas over Florida? I, I don't know. I, I think I might. And Lindy is just as old as Julian. In fact, we asked Eric Tosi, uh, who came from the Boston Bruins over to the Golden Knights, and I said to him, I said, look, you know, you know Claude Julian. I said, is that a possibility, a real possibility to think that a man of his stature would come to Las Vegas to take on a project, per se, a project with a good head start, but a project nonetheless? And he flat out said yes. So if Claude Julian would do that, I would think Lindy Ruff, who's right around the same age, uh, believe it or not, uh, would do the same thing as well. Uh, I don't, hey, look, I don't think he would look twice, but I don't know what other options are out there. Because keep in mind, if there's jobs that are open, they're not open because the team's a good team. So I don't know. Do you come here with a, with a great, you know, a, a more than a above average goaltender, uh, probably above average defenseman? Probably not a lot as far as scoring, but the 
pieces are certainly here two or three years down the road. You could be competitive. No, I, I hear you. I was just cur- I was just curious about that. I'll tell you what I think. I think that uh, I, I, I'll, I'll just put an analogy in something that already happened. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon, you know, w- was offered to, you know, jump jump the ship and and join the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, obviously, obviously one of the most storied franchise in NHL history, and declined it to stay with the junior team. And when the opportunity knocked on the door to come to Las Vegas, he accepted. So if you're going to give me an option, and this is no disrespect to the Florida Panthers or our good friend Matt Fryer, who joins the show frequently and covers the Panthers, but if you're going to give me the option to take a perennially perennially struggling uh, Florida Panthers squad, even though they have some great young talent, or to come and put my footprint on the 31st franchise in the National Hockey League, i got to believe the salesman that Mr. Foley is, he'd be able to talk him into coming to Vegas. That's that's my take on it. <laughs> I believe that too, and I, you know, I don't know, you know, we'll see in October what we have, and actually we'll see after the expansion draft what they have, and you know, we'll have a better idea of whether or not, you know, if you were a coach, you would take advantage of that opportunity or go somewhere else. But my goodness, I mean, you got, you know, fourteen at least fourteen. I mean, that number varies, but you got a great number of season tickets here, way more than they have down in Florida. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. You're going to have a lot of pieces to work with. And, by the way, Yarmir uh, Yager might be here. You know, uh, there's a <laughs> lot of people here. Uh, Darren Banks, who seems to he comes on uh, comes on Vegas Hockey Outline quite a bit, former Boston Bruin and Las Vegas Thunder player. Um, he is in, he swears up and down that Yarmir Yager would, uh, would be a good fit here. And he talks to Yager quite a bit, and I think, there has been some discussion about the potential of him coming here, which would be great. Breaking, yeah, so breaking news. I think news. you're going to have some pieces here. Um, and I and I also think, uh, I know opinions vary on this, but I think you get the biggest name possible with the best resume because I think that that really shows people that you're serious about winning hockey games and anybody that's a UFA or um, you know making a decision to come here or not. Uh, the better the people you have in the organization, the more that word expansion is diluted. So uh, I caught the tail end of the Foley interview, and and I just caught a snippet of the of the fact that he said he's trying to get the payment together to make before the trade deadline, and then become active at that point. Can you, you know, lengthen that conversation from the the about the thirty seconds of uh, of it I heard and. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, it's it's really more of a big deal for all the other teams than it is Las Vegas. I know that they would love for him to uh, uh, make that payment before the trade deadline, and then, you know, he would officially be part of, you know, you can move some pieces at that point. But if I'm George McPhee, I mean, that's like... I don't need to be involved in a trade deadline. I got all the cards, and there's no reason why I should ever have to show any of my hands until the time has come. So I think it's more important that the other teams would rather they make the payment first because they would like to wheel and deal with them a little bit. Um, but um, as far as Vegas is concerned, they can just sit tight with what they have. Yeah, and, and the more the closer they get to the amateur draft, the more teams are going to want to 
you know, and and the expansion draft. But I could see a scenario where they're calling to. Um, we know we're, we're going to have to leave this player exposed. If we give you a second for future considerations, and you not our consideration being that you don't take player X, um, and we give you a second, and that that could be a good way to build up your picks in the amateur draft because we know George McPhee believes that building this franchise is going to come through the amateur draft and not necessarily through the expansion draft. That's the kind of moves that I would think they would be looking at. Correct. Absolutely. I've said it a million times. I mean, this is a, uh, that it's the only reason why I, I'm not completely sold on a Yager because I think everybody you bring in here has to be a pawn for future, uh, for future moves. And I just don't think Yager is a pawn for a future move. I think this is probably his last stop. So, um, you might want to bring him in to sell some jerseys and I get that concept. Um, but, you know, certainly you want to make sure that you uh, acquire as many draft picks as possible and, and build this team from the uh, inside out. But uh, Foley the other day said, you know, I've kind of evolved on that thinking. I mean, Bill has always been a guy that's wanted, wanted to kind of win now. And he said to us the other day, he said, look, I've kind of evolved on that fact because, it, let's be honest, guys, he sits there with George McPhee and George probably says, look, Bill, Here's the thing. We could probably win now. Okay? We could probably win now and put a competitive product on the ice. The problem is you're you're gonna have a big drop off and it's gonna take you a long time to kind of get back to that point again. So do you want to build properly the first two or three years and continuously you know, kind of mold this into something that's going to have some longevity to it? Or do you want to just kind of go out for the sake of winning and then, you know, your consistency is so sporadic that, you know, it it really is not something that's going to appeal to, especially people in this town, that if you're not winning, they at least want to see effort. And certainly if you could go out and, and they can see your path or your vision for building this team, I think that's going to be a lot more acceptable than, than, than winning for first, you know, say two years and then having a three or four year drop off and not really having a plan. It, it kind of sounds like the Boston Bruins to me. No, and, and we can go back to, got- to another expansion team. The Florida Panthers bulked up on veterans and spent a lot of money in free agency when they came in. They're in the Stanley Cup final in their second year, I believe, third year at the latest, and then took 20 years to get back to the to the playoffs. And that's not what Bill Foley's grand scheme is. And, and I think you're right. I think that uh, we were talking with Shane Knighty just a few minutes ago, and we left the conversation with patience, growth, success. And I think that's that's the roadmap right there. Uh, I was just add, guys, Go ahead, Chris. I was just going to add, guys, imagine, uh, imagine if McPhee uh, and the staff between this year's draft and next can add six to eight draft picks. I mean, I don't think he's going to get – First-rounders out of those kind of moves, depending upon who they are, you never know. But second, third, fourth-round picks, those are the lifeblood picks of any draft. 100%. And all he would be giving up, and all he would be giving up is, okay, I won't take that player from you, I'll take this player from you. And, and so he literally would not be sending any talent in return. And, you know, if the Islanders want to worry about Ryan Pulak, he says, all right, I'll leave Ryan Pulak alone, I'll take Calvin DeHaan and the second-round pick. Uh, as as a, you know, as a future consideration. So imagine if he can 
do that, or even from a team if the player is big enough, he, maybe he can get multiple picks from them from this year's draft and next year's draft. And and you know, to me, right now the, the obviously the draft's seven rounds each, so we know as of today the Golden Knights uh, for the next two years have fourteen draft picks. I'm going to put a uh, if I was in George McPhee's war room, I got a funny feeling number 25 would be written on the wall. That's how many draft picks he wants the first two years. That's a good number. Yeah, and believe me. I mean, believe me, too. A lot of people are going to, I mean, I would think, especially if you're picking low, um, they're going to try to try to unload their first rounders in, in this draft that really has very little to offer as far as impact players, um, you know, depending on who you talk with. I'm sure there's some. But it's got a lot of it's got, it's got a lot of good players though in it, Dana. Talking to Zach Devine, who we had on, it may not have it's not, it may not have the Jack Eichel, the Connor McDavid, the Patrick Laney, or Weston Matthews, but they you know it's a, it is still a very good class, and uh, they they do have a lot of it does have a lot of good players. So if you know if you well, know, I mean, of course it has good, good players. <laughs> of course it has good players. Yeah. I'm just not sure we don't you know there's not the. I, I don't think there's that untouched. This is not the untouchable class that, you know, certainly you wouldn't give away your first rounder for, for anything, especially if you're drafting high. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we, we've gone through this class and I'm not sure we have, uh, I'm not sure we have guys that, you know, even there's been some talk about Patrick and, you know, whether or not he's what they portray him to be, but, I mean, I think the general consensus is this is certainly not even close to the class that they had last year. Or the year before, which was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I look, I, I think they're more willing this year to give up, say, a second rounder, uh, maybe even the low ones, uh, just because of what is available than they probably would have last season. True. Well, it's it's almost March, and uh, man, I could just feel it building and building and building. But uh, let me let me let you get out of here, Dana. We'll do your uh, Saturday night special. Focus on what what games are you going to see this weekend, and uh, give me a little bit of something to take to the window there. Well, uh, we're going to go to the uh, the Kings Panthers game last night, and. Um or tomorrow night, sorry. We're going to the Kings Panthers tomorrow if we can canoe on over to Staples Center. Right. Um, this is going to be a game that's going to be a back-to-back for Florida. So uh, I do expect a pretty good effort out of Florida tonight against the against the Ducks, but uh, even better, uh, if, unless this number is too outrageous uh, to play. Uh, even tomorrow, though, it's either going to be the over in this game because let's remember, back-to-back efforts don't even if teams are, are a little bit slower or a little bit more tired, that leads to sloppiness, and sloppiness leads to goals. Too many people think that that sloppiness leads to a lack of goals. So, if the number's not good tomorrow, we'll probably uh, look at the over in that game. Uh, also, depending on the number, but it probably should be right in the wheelhouse. But certainly, it would be Los Angeles if we can get a, a reasonable number. And and don't forget, I heard you guys talking about the trend of of uh, teams coming off of this, which hit me out of the blue the the bye week, if you will. The, oh, crazy! The, happened last night again too. To the Kings, absolutely. The, the, yeah. <laughs> the give up five goals to the Coyotes after their five five day bye, um, which you know 
just a weird concept to me when you're talking about, you know, we can't make the the Olympics because we don't have enough time in the schedule, and and you're throwing five five days off in a row at teams. Um, I'm sure you could compress all that into the same 15 day period and go to the Olympics. Um, as long, I guess the price has to be right at that point. But so the Kings did go fall right into that trend last night. Five three losers to the Panthers, and or sorry to the Coyotes and. I look for them to give a strong effort tomorrow night against the Panthers. So, um, I'm, and I'm, I am holding I'm, I'm holding you personally responsible for tomorrow <laughs> night's game, Mark. I wanna I wanna win in regulation, not overtime in regulation. <laughs> the last time you the last time you you called me out on a game, I think the Kings came through for you. Uh, but then then yeah, you... a little bit. They won the game, but they won in overtime. So I don't want I don't want. You know, any points go into those Eastern Conference teams in the mix there with my with my boys out on Long Island. So, uh, <laughs> you're, you're Islanders over, rising, uh, Islanders rising, sir. I don't think that that one point's going to slow them down. There's the one thing you guys can count on: teams do not play well off of the bye. Teams do not play well when there's a major ceremony before games, right. as we saw with the Mike, Mike Illich the other night. There was even a, a short one for, for Patrick Marlowe. Uh, both teams went down. I mean, it, Brian and I kind of keep track of this a little bit, but it is incredible. And, and on the flip side of that, this dad's trip thing, I mean, these, these, play, these players go you know above and beyond when their dads are watching. So if you can get wind of when these teams' dad's trips are, uh, I think the record's like 17-3 and three so far when, when the dads are in attendance. So... Couple, couple little trends to look at. And, nice, you know, couple little fun things to look at. No, I've always looked at the, you know, when it's, uh, you know, pick your pick your name when returning player X comes back to the team Y. Oh yeah, that's and, another one. And they <laughs> hand out a, 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 a cup ring or they do a little video presentation from the ten years. <laughs> yeah, bet the other side. Um, <laughs> bet, bet the other side. It's. Uh, Consistently uh, the big true. returning player trend is it, absolutely correct. Yeah. Everybody gets on them, and it takes a while because people don't understand that the that hockey is a game of cohesion. And when you are not at practice and you're you're just a little bit of a little bit off, you know, throwing guys on back on their lines again, it takes a game or two to get back. And you would not believe how many people just jump on, you know, team A because player A is back and just. Just either play the other side or wait a little bit for this team to come together, or, you know, for a line to come together the way that they're used to playing. The other thing you could always look at, and I've and I think I've played on this a few times. When uh, a big player goes out of the lineup, the tendency is to try and play the other side. But a lot of times, the first game or two after the you know the big player uh, is out for injury, the the rest of the club picks it up a little bit, and they'll come through and pay off on some plus money. Um, absolutely th- so that's always a, a good hockey trend to watch for too um absolutely i mean people think just because uh, you know somebody's out of the lineup that you know the guy behind them is not and at least when you know you're talking about you know a single game and, and what side to be on you know you have to factor in first of all you got to give coaches some credit i mean these guys factor this stuff in and they coach their game accordingly. And then you get a motivated guy that's getting some more minutes, and people just thought, you know, it's just too easy to say, well, Malkin's out. I'm going to go against the Penguins, the Penguins, you know, especially now with, 
you know, they have some injury issues there, and, you know, people are, are you know, kind of shying away from them a little bit. I'm, I'm not shying away from them. They're still uh, still very playable as far as, the, you know, a side is concerned, and you're going to get a better number because the bookmakers think that they're not as strong as uh, as, as they once were. So I don't, even with backup goaltenders, I mean, we lost, we looked at Kemper last night, and people are like, wow, you know, Dubnik's not playing. you got to go against Minnesota. No, it's, you know, a lot of this is about inspiration. Who's more inspired to play? And, and if you can identify the more inspired of the two teams or impact players, such as in a goaltending position, I mean, those are those are invaluable angles um, to to get on uh, when you're trying to decide what to put your money on. And you can find out more of that information over at SBR Picks, and make sure you follow Dana Lane at Dana Lane Sports for all of his sports gaming acumen. Uh, Dana, we had a little bit extra time today. It was a pleasure talking to you, sir. Uh, always a pleasure uh, to talking with you as well. I am uh, I am going to go ahead and drive into the eye of the storm. Okay, good luck, and please be safe out there. Safe. We're, we're back to our uh, regular time next Saturday, about about 11.30 Pacific, so uh, we'll look forward to talking to you then. That'll be awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for your time. All right. Drive, <coughs> excuse hey, me. Dan. Drive safe and have a great weekend. Okay, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye. All right. That was uh, – that was a, that was a nice little treat. We got a little extra fifteen twenty minutes with Mister Mister Lane there, sir. That was great because we we didn't have him last week, so we, yeah, uh, it's great to hear Dana's take as as always. And and the the more I talk gaming with Dana, the the smarter I feel because I've left quite a few bucks at the old window, if you will, but. Uh, the, the the more the more insight I get from Dane on on how to actually handle the the gaming aspect of of sport the the better off you are so if if anybody is heading to the window you can't do better than than going on at Dane Lane Sports and and getting his in, insight and information and along you know he sits next to Brian Blessing for two hours a day who hosts you know part of the show is sportsbook radio so you're not gonna and Vinny magliulo sportsbook director is is down there all the time so you're not gonna you're not gonna get cheated uh, from some of the guys that are on the net that live in nebraska if you will <laughs> uh keeps touting their their 114 and 5 record um come to vegas with that record and i'll put you against dana uh every day of the week and i think i'm gonna catch my tickets more often um so sir next week break it down Next week, Saturday, February 25th, 11.30 a.m. Pacific, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. You know, use those times. We're bringing back uh, a good friend of the show, Mark Scheid, uh, who writes for the Hockey Writers on the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to go into the Blue Jackets, where they stand in the Metro. Uh, and as well, get Mark's take, because at that point, there'll be, I believe, four days, uh, or three, uh, three, three and a half days left before the trade deadline and get Mark's take on the trade deadline, what to look for as well. So, uh, good fan of the show. Mark did our mock draft show last year. Hopefully we can get him again for this year. We had him on early in the year uh, as well. So, he's a great guest, to say the least. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, after that, I know we got a few good things cooking, but I guess we'll keep them under wraps for a little bit. Um We've we've gone a little bit over, and I want to get. We're doing this the old-fashioned way, so I got to 
go into production and clean it all up and blah 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 yada 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 so i'm I'm, we go ahead and and take this one down make sure you follow shane knighty special thanks for uh winnipeg jack tv for coming on talking a little vegas talking a little pucks you can catch him on tsn television and on twitter at shane knighty that's h-n-i-d-y for the sheriff uh, obviously, I did just gave Dana Lane's information. Check that out. Follow Chris at the NL King for all of his Islanders content and frequent links to our our content here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast as well. For Chris, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you next week, and we're gone. <laughs>